Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Look at verse 9 right there. Put it into practice. We want to put these things, we want to put the Word of God, what Paul is talking about there in that Philippians 4 passage, where you want to place your mind, set your mind, put this into practice. And so I'm going to do a little review of the last few weeks, and I'm going to give you some more exercises, some things to do. I want to encourage you to put these things into practice. Why? Because, what's it say? The God of peace will be with you. You know what I love about God? Is he doesn't just give you peace, he is peace. The God of peace will be with you. How many of you want that in your life? You want God, you want want the God of peace to be with you in all that you do. I'm gonna pray that over you right now. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. It is powerful, it is alive, it is active, and I know it's going to be that way in these next few moments, Lord, and we just pray that you'd help us, Lord, to live out your word. We don't want to just be hearers, we want to be doers. We want to put these things into practice, Lord, for all of us, Lord. Would you speak to us that what you're calling us to do, to obey, to live out, so we can put it into practice and we can experience you and your peace, God. We thank you that you don't just have peace, but you are peace. God, I pray that your peace, that yourself, Lord, your presence that brings peace would fall on us, would fill our hearts right now. Lord, let your peace rule and reign in our hearts. Let it rule and reign in our families right now. Lord, I pray that your peace would rule and reign in this room, that your peace would rule and reign in our homes, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name's Tyrone. Good to see y'all. Welcome to Rivers, Rivers Church. And uh, I just want to point out the Connect card again. If you haven't filled out the Connect card, please take a moment to do, to do so. It is that important. We want to connect with you, especially if you're new. We'd love to hear from you. And when you leave, don't drop the Connect card in the bucket like everybody else. Hold on to it. If you're new, hold on to it. Give it to the people at the front door. They'll give you a gift. We just uh, would love to make sure we connect with you. And I'm looking forward to today, but I'm also looking forward to next week. Next Sunday, we're starting a new series on Jonah. You're going to want to come back next week. Lessons from a man who ran. And so we're going to kick it off. We're going to go all the way through March looking at the book of Jonah. It's going to be really good. I, I encourage you strongly, be back here next week as we dive into this all familiar and famous story of the man who was allegedly small, uh, swallowed by a big fish. We'll talk about that. It's like one of the craziest stories in the entire Bible, right? So we're going to look at that.
uh, next week, but I'm excited for today, Family Month, the grand finale, and you're here to experience it. Good job. And I just want to say this, like so many of you have helped make Family Month awesome. This, we've had a really fun month, really fun. And so I just want to say thank you to all of you guys. So many of you have volunteered, given hours, uh, setting up, cleaning up afterwards, preparing, doing things. We got our Spanish church that has prepared food for us today. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for all of you guys that have served and volunteered. We got some great people here at Rivers Church, and we're having some fun. So don't let the rain dampen your mood. Stick around and hang out for some fun today. Even if it rains, we're going to have fun. We're going to baptize people today. That's going to be awesome. In fact, as I look outside right now, I see the sun coming through. It's going to be a good day. So hey, let me go through a little review here uh, where we've been in this series, winning the war in your, in your mind. Those of you that have been around the last few weeks, have you appreciated this series? One has it been practical and beneficial. Okay, so this has been good. I just want to remind you of some of the places we've been, where we've, where we've been, uh, what we've talked about, and uh, it's a good review, especially if this is your first day with us. Week number one, the replacement principle. There are lies that you and I believe in our mind that cause us to live a certain way. So we want to identify the lies, remove the lies, and replace them with truth. You want to live according to the truth, not according to lies, right? So that's the replacement principle. Week number two was the renew principle. And in the renew principle, I gave you two practices. I want you to keep putting these things into practice, like Philippians 4 verse 9 encourages us. Number one was ruminate the word, and number two was declare the word. Ruminate means to meditate, basically. You're sitting on it, you're, you're letting the word get in you, not just reading it and having it in your, in your mind, but it's getting to your heart. That's ruminating, it's meditating, and declaring the word. I encourage you to write down declaration statements. Now every, I don't have it up here, but every week we've given you some declaration statements for Family Month. Take those home, put on your fridge, declare those over you and your family. Those are powerful declaration statements. And so I'd encourage you to make some for yourself. A couple weeks ago, I shared a few of my own personal declaration statements that I speak. Um, but really, a declaration is written statements based on God's word that you repeat to yourself over and over again that reminds you of who you are, of who he's called you to be, and how you're going to live your life. So write those down. And so this is what I said repeatedly. Write it, think it, confess it. Write it, think it, confess it. Everybody with me, say this. Write it, think it, confess it. Again, write it, think it, confess it. Okay, over and over again, you declare God's truth and God's word and those statements over your life, and you watch him renew your mind. And the renewal of your mind ends up in life transformation. That's a promise from the word of God, Romans 12, 2. Week number three, last week, Andrew brought us through the reframe principle. So you cannot control what happens to you, but you can control how you frame it. So it's important to learn how to frame things properly in your mind. Otherwise, you can go to deep, dark places, right? So when we reframe what happened in the yesterdays, it changes our todays. So it's reframing these things, okay? So we talked about reframing, and I even love this concept of pre-framing. So reframing your past, pre-framing your future will change your life. Today, week number four, is the rejoice principle. And here's how I would sum up the rejoice principle. It's this. When you look up, your perspective changes. I want to encourage you today to look up. Because when you look up, your perspective on everything 
literally changes. So if you're enjoying this, if you find yourself in this place where I really need to keep growing in all of this stuff, this mental health stuff, speaking and declaring the word of God, I'd encourage you to get this book, Winning the War in Your Mind. Phenomenal book. Do the exercises, train yourself, put these things into practice. It is a great, great book. But here's really the overarching life principle of this book. Life principle. Write this down if you're taking notes. My life is always going in the direction of my strongest thoughts. Have you noticed that? Your life is always going in that direction. Where are your thoughts taking you? That's the question. What are you thinking about? It's a good question to ask yourself every day. What am I thinking about? Where are my thoughts taking you? Because here's the deal. Most of life's battles are won or lost right here in the mind. And so this is you and I learning how to monitor those thoughts. God has given you the ability to monitor every single thought in 1 Corinthians 10, take it captive and make it obedient uh, to Christ. So we're going to look at some science stuff today, some brain science, which is kind of fun. Uh, Neuroscientists have learned a lot in the last 25 years. So there's this thing that we have in our brain called the amygdala. Have you heard of this thing? The amygdala, this is the part of your brain that's wired or designed for survival. We need this part of our brain. This is the fight or flight function in your brain. So when danger comes, the amygdala like screams, it, it, it fires up and it sends adrenaline to the rest of your brain and you react accordingly. So you're, you're hiking on a trail in Sedona and all of a sudden you see a snake in the middle of the trail. It's in the trail. That's danger, right? Danger, that's, and if you're like me, okay, remember, this is like the, the fight or flight thing. For me in that moment, it's all flight. I'm out of here. Like, I'm gonna run away and scream like a little girl because I am definitely scared of snakes. That is the biggest danger in my life right there in that moment, for sure. And so that's what the amygdala is for. You see a car coming at you, you're driving down the road, this car is coming straight for you, your amygdala fires up adrenaline and helps you to react accordingly. You slam on the brakes, you swerve, you do that so you don't hit the car or they don't hit you. Okay, so the amygdala can can help with those things. And we're thankful for that, right? Isn't it amazing how scientists have been able to discover how God designed our brain to work? This is fascinating stuff, guys. And I just appreciate the amygdala. My amygdala has helped me many, many, many times in my life avoid car wrecks. Many, many times. In fact, I got my first car wreck ever in my entire life two weeks ago. Me and my amygdala had done pretty good up until two weeks ago. I got my first car wreck. It was, it was horrible. It was one of those moments where I'm taking my daughter to school, and before I even knew what happened, this car had hit us right on the side, and I'm swerving out of control. I, I, you know, looking back on it, I know my amygdala, it's like adrenaline. I gained control of the car, and I pull over on the side of the road. I'm looking at my daughter like, you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm okay. You okay? You, okay? you know, it's one of those moments. The adrenaline is going, and you're like, what just happened? And it's kind of scary. Thankfully, we were fine. You know, just the car got jacked up. That's all. It's just a car, though. And, um, but it was one of those moments I had no control over. The crazy thing about that is since then, the last two weeks, as I take my daughter to school every morning, we've almost been hit two more times. It's been like this crazy string of events like, okay, Lord, protect us. Keep protecting us because it's just been weird. Okay, so this is the amygdala. Amygdala is responsible for the survival in your life. It's also responsible for emotions. 
The problem with that is it's objective. So what that means is it will respond the same way it responds to a car coming at you. Bunch of adrenaline, boom, you react. It will respond like that when somebody says something to you in a hurtful conversation. You ever notice that? Somebody says something to you and you don't even have to think about it. You have an immediate visceral reaction without even realizing it. Boom, it comes out. That ever happened to you this week? <laughs> like it happened to me last week. Amy said something to me and I'm telling you, I instantly, without even realizing it, there was this immediate reaction and I came back and I was defensive and I was upset and I was angry. And, and after a, a little while of a conversation that we had, I relaxed and I calmed down and I said, hey, honestly, Amy, it wasn't my fault. It's my amygdala's fault, okay? So let's <laughs> blame my amygdala, okay? Because I'm studying all this stuff again, you know? I, I didn't say that, sorry. What I said was, hey, if you hadn't said that, Amy, I wouldn't have gotten upset, so don't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I didn't say that either, okay? <laughs> Those are things you wanna say. Sometimes we have said that before, we're like, oops. Nope, not a good idea. Here's the, here's the reason, because we still have to take responsibility for our own actions and our own decisions and our own words. Yes, God has wired and designed us in interesting ways, but we have trained ourselves to respond in those ways. It's not God's fault. It's not the other person's fault. It is our fault. So we got to take responsibility. This is why we need God's help to transform our life through the renewing of our mind. Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So God wants to help us with this so that we can retrain our brain. We can renew our brain, rewire our brain to respond in an appropriate way. And how does he do this? How does this happen? Well, the good news is as followers of Jesus, the spirit of Christ lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit wants to help you and empower you to live the way that you wanna live and that he's called you to live. And so as you and I let the spirit fill us and lead us, and, and we let him guide us, even in our thoughts, then he can help us live the way that we want to live. And that the more and more we do that, the more our brain is then designed, we get those ruts like we talked about a couple weeks ago, those ruts, ruts can be good, ruts can be bad. So we get those good ruts where I respond in appropriate spirit-led way. It's possible. Sometimes some good, loving, gracious accountability can help us in, in training how we respond and react to things too, Right? But God wants to, to help us uh, renew our mind. And so again, I just I point us back to verse nine, Philippians four. Keep putting into practice these things. Okay, we're, we're gonna practice this. And as we continue to lean into the spirit and allow him to fill us and lead us, he will renew our mind. And that's good news, isn't it? With God's help, your thoughts can change. Your thought patterns can change. God designed you with that ability. Uh, that's awesome. That's great news. Okay, change your thinking, and what you do is you change your life. So now let's look at this thing called the prefrontal cortex up in the front part of your brain. Right? God has given you, thankfully, a prefrontal cortex. This is the logical part of your brain to help counteract the amygdala, the emotional part of your brain. All right. So here's what happens. Now, as a side note, neuroscientists will say that the prefrontal cortex part of your brain doesn't fully develop until about the age 25. And so that really explains why teenagers and early young adults struggle to make good decisions. 
It's because that, that logical portion that helps them make those good decisions hasn't fully developed. This is interesting and fascinating, right? Okay, all you young people still can't use that as an excuse, right? <laughs> Sorry, mom, I cannot obey you and clean my room, or I cannot do my homework. I simply do not have the ability to function in that capacity because my prefrontal cortex is not fully developed yet. Sorry, I'm out. Okay, can't use that as an excuse. I believe God can supernaturally fill you with wisdom and supersede all of that which you lack physically. Okay, so it's possible for that. Anyways, side note, right? So here's what happens. You hear a noise in the middle of the night and you wake up. Has that happened to you? And instantly you're scared, aren't you? This emotion comes over you. What's going on? Your amygdala is screaming. There's a murderer in the house. They're gonna get, they're gonna kill you and kill your whole family. Then all of a sudden your prefrontal cortex starts speaking to you. No, it's probably just the wind. You can relax. The amygdala is still screaming. No, you need to grab your bat right now. Go get the gun right now. Kill them before you, they kill you, you know? And then your prefrontal cortex is speaking logically. No, it's probably the cat wandering around downstairs. You know, it's, you have this back and forth. You ever been there before? <laughs> back and forth. It's like emotions, like, okay, none of this. And then you just go and you check the noise because your wife made you go downstairs and check the noise, right? That's what happens. Okay, so that's, there's this kind of relationship we want to develop between the logic and the emotions we need both. Both are good. But here's the interesting thing is too often we can find ourselves in this place where emotions rule our life. They dictate and determine the direction of our life, how everything is handled, and they, uh, they just cause us to respond with, with panic, constant panic. Maybe you've seen that in other people before. It's like there's constantly like just a little thing just sets them off. You're like, hey, don't say something around so-and-so. Be careful what you say around that coworker or that family member. You ever, you ever had one of those people in your life? If you don't have one of those people in your life, maybe you need to ask God to help look within. <laughs> maybe God wants to help you. Uh, because here's what can happen is we have through whatever, training, trauma, we have allowed ourselves to respond in certain ways to situations. And it's just how God has designed us. It's fascinating. But the good news is God wants to help you by the renewing of your mind. You don't have to stay in that place. In fact, in prayer this morning, someone, someone prayed this. I think it was Pastor Autumn said that God wants to heal people from trauma. And I thought that's a good word, that God's going to heal you mentally, emotionally, uh, spiritually, in every way, physically from trauma, so that, sh and, and through that renewal of the mind's going to happen, and you can live that transformed life that God has for you. And I'm, I'm praying that, I'm believing that for every single one of us. So we need his help, don't we? I love this quote. On, on Wednesday nights, I have this fun group of people who are doing this study called Knowing God. And uh, I love the Knowing God crew on Wednesday nights. And in the, the beginning of the last chapter of the book that we're going through right now, there's this Dallas Willard quote that we read last week, and I want to share this with us. Dallas Willard said, the process of spiritual formation in Christ is one of progressively replacing destructive images and ideas with the images and ideas that filled the mind of Jesus himself. Spiritual formation in Christ moves toward a total interchange of our ideas and images for his. This is the goal that you and I literally would have what the Bible talks about, the mind of Christ. 
that we would think like Jesus so that we can act and live and experience life like Jesus lived. It is possible for you tonight to experience that by the renewing of our mind. This is why we keep coming back to this Philippians 4 passage. Philippians 4 is so important for us. It's one of those passages I would encourage you to sit in and, and meditate on and declare it, speak it constantly. There's so much in this, these five or six verses of Philippians 4. And we keep looking at this every week. You know, Andrew looked at this last week and even told us that Paul was in a Roman prison when he wrote this. And this is what Paul said from prison, awaiting what was ever going to happen to him with his life. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. If you were hanging out in prison, would those be the words that you would write down to other people? Like, this is miserable. Would you pray for me to get out of this place? It sucks. That's maybe what we would be writing, right? We'd say things like this. But Paul's like, hey, let me encourage you with some words. Rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you missed it the first time, let me say it again. <laughs> Rejoice. Can I just encourage you with that? Don't wait until you feel it. Decide to do it. Rejoice isn't a feeling. It's a decision that you and I make. I will rejoice in you, God, because of who you are, not because of my circumstances. Hey, your circumstances may be bad, but your God is still good. So you can rejoice in him no matter what. Even if you don't feel it, speak it. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice. Look up and your perspective changes. This is the rejoice principle right here, okay? And he goes on to say, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So you're worried. You're struggling with some anxiety, things consuming your mind. Paul would say, stop, don't do it, pray. Go to God with that. Hey, guys, if it's big enough to worry about, it is big enough to pray about. Take it to God. Uh, I've said this before. Too many people are worried and anxious about everything because they pray about nothing. But let's do the vice versa. And in fact, last time I said that, Andrew said there's a book out there with that exact same title, Worried About Everything Because We Pray About Nothing. Sounds like a good book <laughs> to me. But here's what we want to focus on. Because what, what happens is we're focusing on the wrong thing. Focus on his presence, not your problems. That's what we want to do. Focus on his presence, not your problems. Hey, it's easy to get fixated on the presence of all your problems, but don't forget to focus on the presence of your God. Your God is there. He is bigger than whatever you're facing, whatever you are going through. Focus on his presence, not your Problems. Can I say it again? Your circumstances may be bad, but your God is still, he is good. So go to him in prayer. Through prayer and petition is what Paul encourages us to do. Go to him, present those requests to him. Prayer needs to be our first response, not our last resort. Too often we wait, we wait, we're trying to control, we worry, we do this, we talk to someone about this. We're, all these other things, go to God first. Let prayer be your first reaction. Your first response, not a last resort. And the reason for that is because prayer is powerful. Do you know that? Prayer is powerful. 
Like you read about that all throughout this book right here, over and over and over and over and over again. God shows us the power of prayer and how he moves through men and women who call out to him on prayer, who petition him in prayer. Keep praying. Keep believing. Don't stop seeking him. Prayer moves the heart of God. Come on, go after him and, and, and let God move in that. Okay, not only that, did you know that prayer actually changes the chemistry in your brain? Did you know that? So neuroscientists have discovered this. Again, over the last 25 years, they've studied the brain extensively, learned so much. And what they've learned it aligns with what the Bible has said for centuries. Pretty amazing. But they've developed this phrase called neuroplasticity. They used to believe the brain did not change after adolescence. This was a belief for a long time. After adolescence, it was done. But the last 20, 25 years have shown that the brain does, in fact, continue to change, which speaks to Romans 12 to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Even if you're in your 50s, you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind because your brain still has ability to change. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she's a cognitive neuroscientist, and she's also a passionate believer in Jesus. She studies this extensively. She's written about it. And so in one of her books, Switch on Your Brain, she said this. It has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. <laughs> That's pretty cool. You can literally change your brain physically, the chemistry of your brain. Just 12 minutes a day for eight straight weeks, and that change is so much that a brain scan will pick up on the physical change in your brain. It's the power of prayer. Okay? That's, that's why I would encourage you. Keep going to God, looking to God. And that's your brain getting renewed, your mind being renewed through you praying, through coming to him. You know, So stop worrying. Stop worrying. Do not be anxious, what Paul says, right? Why do we do that? Why do we worry? Huh? What happens is we slip into what the Bible calls our sinful nature. So what God would say, we, we, we worry because we're letting our sinful nature dominate our thoughts. And we're focusing on the wrong things is what we're doing, basically. So Paul says this in, uh, in Romans 8, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So you and I have a choice. Where are we going to allow our mind to go? Are we going to give into the flesh, that sinful nature? And what it does is it takes us towards, what did it say? Death. But you let the Spirit fill you and lead you in your life, even in your thoughts. Submit those to the Spirit. And what that leads to is life and peace. Okay, it's our choice, though. Where are we going to allow our thoughts uh, to take us? So then, Paul says this in Galatians 5, kind of in addition to the Romans 8 thing. He says, verse 16, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay, pretty simple, right? You jump down to verse 22, 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, 
peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's the fruit that comes out of our lives naturally as the Spirit fills and leads our life. So I want to live by the Spirit. And you think about those things, joy, peace, patience, all of those really begin on the inside. And where it starts is right there in the mind. It's where it starts. So we need the Spirit to help us. Instead of worrying, instead of stressing about things, instead of trying to control things, which control is just an illusion. You know that, right? We think we can control things. We convince ourselves of that. We can't. Don't let your flesh dominate your thinking. Let, your, let the Spirit fill you and change you and renew your mind so that you don't get stuck in the worry. What would I call it? The paralysis of worry, just that, that worry cycle. Okay, so worry, you know what worry is? Worry is this the sin of distrusting in the power and the promises of God. That's what worry is. I'm gonna worry about this and try to control it because deep down inside, I would admit it, but here's how I feel. This is what I think. I don't trust you, God. I don't trust your promises. I don't trust your power. So I'm gonna try to fix this and focus on this and control this and do this. I'm gonna worry because by worrying, it's gonna make it so much better, Right? Which we know, like we say it out loud, or like, no, that's not true, actually. But we still do it. So that's why we need to let the Spirit fill us and lead us so we don't give in to that, okay? The Spirit will strengthen you and give you the ability to trust in God, to trust His power, to trust in His promises. A couple months ago, I talked about this little exercise that our family did with a prayer box. It was super fun. We went around the table, and we wrote down on a piece of paper, Something we were really worried about. It was causing anxiety in our life, stressing us out. And so we wrote it on a piece of paper, and we said, okay, guys, let's pray about this. We're going to pray, and we're going to give it to God, and we're going to put it in this box. And when we put it in this box, this is like our little activity to outwardly show, God, we're not going to worry anymore. This is yours. I put it in your hands. It's out of mine. I trust you with this. I will not worry at all anymore. We did this. It was actually pretty profound. Simple exercise, but pretty profound. So now we got this prayer box. We can do this without encouraging. You get a prayer box. It doesn't have to look this cool. It can be a shoe box. It can be cardboard. It doesn't matter. But write something down that you're worried about. Put it in there and say, God, I trust you with this. Maybe the next day you find yourself worrying again. Go back to that box. Pull it out. Say, okay, God, no, sorry. Forgive me. But I'm going to trust you in this area. I choose not to worry. God, I thank you that you're going to take care of this situation. Boom, it's yours and put it right back in that box. Great activity. I'd encourage you to do it. Just a little outward thing for you and I to put worries in the rightful place, in God's place. What did Paul say? Don't worry. Go to God. Pray. Look to him. So what we're doing is we're learning how to become more and more aware of God in our life and his presence in our life. That's the goal. Have you ever noticed when you stop being aware of God's presence in your life, you stop talking to him? You notice? Like when I'm not thinking about God and kind of doing my own thing, I don't pray. Right? And then what I'm doing, as a matter of fact, is I'm actually living life in my own strength. I'm going it all my own because I'm trying to figure this out without Him. That's why it's so important for you and I to look to Him, to go to Him. Don't allow your thoughts to take you in that wrong direction to pull you down, 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 down. I want to encourage you to look up. Look up, and your perspective changes. So, here we go. 
Philippians 4, and uh, I'll invite Griffin up here to the front. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you want that kind of peace? It's a peace that's so big. It's so powerful. It doesn't even make sense. People will ask you, like, how are you making it through this? Like, I don't know. Just God. Like, I just, his peace is all over me. It's beyond my comprehension and transcends my understanding. As a friend of mine, Paul said, it is so big. I just feel it. He's guarding my heart. He's guarding my mind. Come on, don't you want that kind of peace is to guard you? To guard your life? God has a peace for you. If you will look to him, he's got a peace for you that will literally guard and change your life. We need his peace, right? And I think there's a very important part of this passage that we need to focus in on today with the rejoice principle. It's two words that we often overlook in this passage here. And the words are, with thanksgiving. I love those two words. With thanksgiving. How should you pray? How should you petition the Lord? With thanksgiving. You know, it's so important for us to be thankful. And to even speak it when we don't feel it. Just to, I mean, and the truth is, there's a lot of things you can feel thankful about right now, even though you may not overall feel thankful about certain things. There's so many things. Just a couple weeks ago, our Knowing God group did this whole exercise called Count Your Blessings. You list out all the blessings you can think of in your life. You just fill up a page with your blessings, blessing God's blessing. And it was really cool because it's really an exercise in, I'm thankful for this, thankful for this, thankful for this, thankful for this. It's amazing how that changes your perspective in life. When you begin to list out everything you're thankful for. Thankfulness and worry cannot coexist. Have you learned that? If you are truly thankful, you won't be worried. But if you're consumed with worry, you're going to struggle to be thankful. They cannot coexist. It's impossible. That's why I want to encourage you and I to grow in thankfulness. This last November, I took some time to really lean into this. I realized I wanted to grow. I needed to grow in being a more thankful person. And so... I dove into just studying and thinking about thankfulness, looking at this passage in Philippians 4, and looking at this other passage in 1 Thessalonians 15, where Paul says this. He says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Everybody say all. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is God's will? For you to be thankful no matter what you go through. That's God's will for your life. That's what he wants you to experience because he knows that that will change and transform your life. So I really, I meditated. I was ruminating on that passage there in November. Uh, Ruminating again. Remember, I'm like, I'm getting it into me. I'm regurgitating it up and spitting it out like a cow does with its cud because that's what ruminating is. I just, I'm getting, I really sat in that for a while. And God was just speaking to me and helping me grow in thankfulness. 
And here's what I learned, a few things about thankfulness. It's powerful. Thankfulness changes my, number one, it changed my perspective, which is what we're talking about today, right? You look up, your perspective changes. Thankfulness changes my perspective on everything in life. And thankfulness changes my prayers. I, I saw Paul even encouraged us to make sure that our prayers were thankful. But the more thankful I got, it changed my prayers. It was less complaining and struggling and more positive, more, more thankful. Thankfulness changes my heart. That's what happens through all of this. All of a sudden, my heart's changing because I feel more thankful. And thankfulness changes my relationships. Sometimes the opposite helps us really recognize things. And so, you know, when you're feeling ungrateful and you're feeling like everything's bad, that affects your relationships. Have you noticed? It affects your family, it affects your marriage, it affects your relationships. Maybe you've experienced that from other people who are just ungrateful. You don't want to hang out with ungrateful people. But thankfulness positively impacts your relationships. And then I found that thankfulness actually has the power to break things over my life. Thankfulness began to break complaining over my life. Way less complaining when I'm thankful. Complaining's not a good thing, by the way. You might think it's harmless, but complaining, rumbling, murmuring, it kept an entire generation of Israelites out of the promised land because it caused them to not trust in God and his promises. Complaining is just, it's where it starts, where I just don't trust God. But thankfulness breaks complaining over your life. Thankfulness breaks comparison over your life. For you're looking at other people, they have it together, they all this, you know, we get stuck in this comparison trap and it kills us. Thankfulness breaks that and it breaks coveting. And coveting has gripped too many hearts. Maybe yours right now, where I just, I have to have this, I need this, this is what, if, if I can just get to this or have this, then I'll be okay, then I'll be fine. I'm coveting something, but thankfulness breaks that because nothing's gonna bring you joy and life and fulfillment like Jesus. So thankfulness, guys. I wanna encourage you to grow in thankfulness. And we're gonna sing a song that became my anthem song all last fall. In fact, it really still is. It's a song that I, my kids are sick of hearing this song around the house. And this album is constantly playing, but I just, I love this song. We're gonna declare it together. It's the power of being thankful. We're just gonna, we're gonna declare it in our life, all right? So, Thankfulness changes my prayers, my perspective, my heart, my relationships. And lastly, here's what it changes. Circumstances. Your circumstances will change. I promise you, the more thankful you become. You want to see that happen? You want to see that? Let me read to you a little story here. Listen to this. We're going to end with story time. Paul. Let's look at Paul. Paul is in the city of Philippi. Okay, we're reading this Philippians letter, right? Philippians 4 is where we've been at a lot. Before there's a whole bunch of believers and there's a church in Philippi, Paul is doing ministry in Philippi and it's hard work. And so this is what's taking place the first time he goes to Philippi. Verse 22, a mob quickly formed against Paul and his friend Silas and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. They were severely beaten and they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. So it's a good day for Paul and Silas, right? Around midnight, Paul and Silas were, get this, praying and singing hymns to God. You just love that? You watch out, praise, worship thankfulness begins to change this circumstance right here. 
And the other prisoners were listening. And suddenly, verse 26, there was a massive earthquake. And the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. That's what I'm saying, guys. Chains are going to fall off as you look up to the Lord. As you worship him, as you praise him, I don't care what you're going through, you worship him, you praise him through it. You give him thanks through it and you watch those chains fall off your life. You can't even explain it, but it's the power of God alive and at work in your life, okay? It happened physically here, but it'll happen spiritually in your life, okay? So uh, verse 27, the jailer woke up, see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted at him, stop! kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? When people see the power of God at work, they're going to want to come to Jesus. People see those miracles. They're going to want to come to Jesus. Verse 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. All because two men decided not to mope and get down in the dumps because they got through in prison. Okay, you might be in a tough circumstance right now. I don't know what your circumstances are. Maybe it's bad, but let me remind you, your God is still good. And you can look up to him and you can worship and you can praise and you can give him thanks. And I want to encourage us to do that right now. Would you stand with me? Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.